Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. What's happening, everybody? It's Thursday here on Fantasy NBA Today, penultimate episode of the show of the 2021 calendar year. We'll finish things up tomorrow with a special kind of pre-recorded deep dive episode. We're going to break down, I believe it's five, was the number I picked out of the sky, five players that have been getting a lot of questions on social media. Today is kind of the second half of our Wednesday, Thursday box score focused back-to-back where we're not going to get into strategy as much and really focus more on what each team is doing heading into the new calendar year. How the various COVID protocols are impacting the rosters and how you might set yourself up potentially for tomorrow, Friday, and then into the weekend if you're looking to maybe maximize some streaming slots, which, by the way, are starting to shrink a little bit. Guys are coming back, I would argue, as fast as, and this is me pulling a a number out of the sky, but I'm pretty sure we've hit a point now where guys are coming back as fast as they're going. And I wonder if we might have even had more guys return over the last couple days than go into protocols, at least when you're thinking, when you're... Okay, you know what? I figured this out. Midway through the sentence, I figured out what I wanted to say. Good job, Dan. It's not so much that more guys are coming back than are leaving, but the key guys, the guys that left early, the big names who got COVID are starting to return as the backups and the recent signees are starting to end up in protocols. So a lot of the guys that are moving into protocols, minus someone like a Darius Garland, and we'll talk about the Cavs for a minute here at some point because the Ricky Rubio news is a a fat bummer out there. It's that we just care more about the guys coming back than the guys that are being put back into protocols. Think of it this way. When the first option goes into protocols, the second second option becomes interesting. If the second option goes into protocols, the third option becomes interesting. Once the first option comes back, and it doesn't mean even matter how far you have to go into it at that point. Third option goes into protocols. Then you've got the fourth streamer, fifth, sixth, whatever. There could be 95 of those that all roll in in a 10-day span. Obviously, that would never happen. But the only one that matters is once the first guy comes back, 15 other guys could go into protocols on that team. But if the starter is still there, all those other things don't matter. So now it becomes not so much a quantity analysis on COVID protocols, but rather who? There's a qualitative analysis here. I don't know if that made sense. Take, for example, uh, the Hawks. There's a good one. Trey Young went into protocols and that elevated Delon Wright. Delon Wright went into protocols and then actually came back out of them. Uh, and then I think went back in. It was a weird back and forth, if I'm not mistaken. And that elevated a third string point guard on the team. But then Trey came back. Other guys have continued to go into protocols for Atlanta, but we sort of don't care beyond John Collins. He was the, only, the recent one that actually made a, a, 
a little bit of a splash. Like, Danilo Gallinari went into protocols before John Collins. That didn't even really show up on our radar because the starter was still out there. When the lead guy goes in, it creates, boink, an impact. It creates an actionable item. So what we should start doing is uh, quantifying or qualifying COVID protocol news with, is it an impact COVID protocol news? Which sucks, by the way. These are humans that are potentially going through COVID, and hopefully everybody's been fine. We know that a couple of guys have had some pretty bad symptoms, but for the most part, they've been okay. If we're looking at this just strictly from a COVID impact protocol news, I think we're now at the point where there are more impact guys coming back than impact guys going out. And when I use that word impact, I don't mean originally scheduled starters. I'm just talking about a guy that was set to have value on a team for two, three games, something like that. So John Conchar counts as an impact COVID protocol because he was the starter when he went into protocols. Does that make sense? Even if it doesn't, it doesn't matter. You guys are stuck listening to me at this point. Welcome to the show, folks. Again, I'm Dan Bespris. Fantasy NBA Today is a sports ethos presentation. I would ask all of you kindly, if you haven't done so already, to follow me on Twitter. And if you're not on Twitter, what are you even doing at this point? It is a laser beam from heaven for fantasy basketball. You must have it. Use it wisely because it's also a dumpster fire of all of the evils of modern society, but you can dodge those if you do it right, meaning follow only the most relevant fantasy analysts. I would hope I would be included in that if you're listening to the podcast. And news feeds and team beat writers. That's really the the path. The news feed to follow, of course, is our buddies at Ethos Fantasy BK, the single best fantasy news feed on planet Earth. Again, I am at D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. Let us begin the non-COVID strategy part of the show by diving into some Wednesday results. And uh, Charlotte, I almost called them Chicago. They did play later, but Charlotte beat Indiana on the road, 116-108. Terry Rozier, 35-7-3, two steals, two blocks. He's really come on after an excruciatingly slow start to the year. Rozier, rocket-boosting up the boards. He was actually inside the fifth round prior to this ball game, so that's just going to keep moving him ahead. Lamella Ball, another nice ball game. Gordon Hayward, Mason Plumley, another good one. It does seem like until PJ Washington comes back, Plumley is a usable guy. I think the fact that Miles Bridges is out actually makes a difference there because they can't slide McDaniel's up to play center at the moment without calling upon somebody they don't really want to play power forward. It leaves them a bit too small. Well, they could do it, but it couldn't be for that long. So Plumlee's been getting 30-some-odd minutes. He's streamable in the very short term, and you just hope he doesn't take many free throws. He got a few in this ballgame, or it actually would have been an even better performance. On the Indiana side, uh, still no Malcolm Brogdon. You can, I think, generally start the starters on this team at the moment, and possibly even beyond when Brogdon comes back, although Justin Holiday is the big question mark there, because Brogdon's going to come back. It's going to push Chris Duarte to the bench. And he probably is no longer a start once he's coming off the bench behind all of these higher usage guys. Holiday is the one that might be able to slip through because he really does only need seven, eight, nine shots a ball game, provided he's getting a couple steals a game, which suddenly he's starting to do. Is 
the world healing? Is the Justin Holiday universe healing? I don't know. But he is streamable right now, particularly in head-to-head formats. But actually, uh, as kind of a steals threes, 3D kind of specialist, you could even squeeze him into a roto lineup. Kind of a low, uh, high floor, low ceiling type of guy. But not a whole lot to do in this ballgame. Knicks Pistons. This one did bring out the whole what the hell's about to happen next scenario. Kemba Walker turned straight into a pumpkin. This was the second half of a back-to-back, so that may have had something to do with it. But also, Tom Thibodeau just didn't like the way his starters were playing. So he rolled monster bench minutes in this game. Alec Burke exploded for 34 off the bench after he got dropped in a bunch of spots. Taj Gibson played 28 damn minutes. Emmanuel quickly played 35. Obi Toppin, 22. Miles McBride, 24. Most of the starters were underneath that number, with the exception of Julius Randle, who played 26, and seemed to suffer an injury in this ballgame, although as of this moment while recording the podcast, it's not super clear what the the severity of it. We know Ben Fournier was a uh, late scratch for this ballgame, but he wasn't really on our radar anyway. In terms of what to do with New York... I don't think you make any rash decisions. I hope that this doesn't change the outlook for Walker. Seeing him lose his aggressiveness in this ballgame was a a pretty big letdown. But there was always a bit of a fear that as the team got healthy, would he become marginalized again? And, now there's a Derrick Rose floating out there a month and a half away, but, you know, we don't have to worry about that until probably February. So... You know, put that in the way, way deepest, darkest recesses of your brain. As the team is currently constructed, Mitchell Robinson should still be playable every day. I don't think we can assume Taj Gibson is going to overtake him anytime soon. Burks is not really a safe guy to play. We saw how bad he was the couple previous games to this one, and the explosions are probably generally not going to be this big. So the averaging point there is going to be way off base based on whether or not you're including this one ball game in the mix Emmanuel quickly doesn't do enough in nine cat you guys know I'm not a huge fan of his fantasy game and he's coming off the bench which is going to limit his stuff things are getting ugly again but I'm hoping it's a one-time blip so hold on to Kemba hold on to Mitchell Robinson for now but we can always punt on everybody as the Knicks get healthy again Detroit's a team missing a whole bunch of guys I I streamed Luka Garza and i I don't actually regret it, which is a weird thing to say after a guy goes 1 for 10 from the field. But dude played 39 minutes in this game. There was really no one else for the Pistons to throw at New York. And if Garza even goes 4 for 10, probably one of those is a 3-pointer. You're talking about 11 points, 9 boards, a couple threes, a steal, a block, and 2 assists. And that's a good ball game. But he didn't, so we aren't. Hamadou Diallo... Had a good one, missed a couple free throws, had a bunch of turnovers, fouled out. But you know what? It doesn't matter when he's getting that many shots, that much usage. Same deal for Sadiq Bey. Derek Walton Jr. got the shooting guard start for Detroit, and that's not something you're taking the plunge on. I I can't imagine. Uh, Frank Jackson got hurt early in this ballgame. He probably would have been a pretty good stream, and then Cassius Stanley picked up a lot of his minutes. We'll have to wait and see who's good to go for Detroit in their next ballgame. Isaiah Stewart has only been out about a week, so my guess is that he probably does miss one more, but we shall see. If any centers come back, Garza is an immediate drop. And really, if any wings come back, I think Diallo ends up being a pretty quick drop as well. So you got to be all over the news with the Pistons over the next couple of days, which, again, 
I'm actually going out of town for a couple days this weekend, so I don't know that I'm going to be there to you know live tweet key streamer news as it goes. Clippers played the Celtics in a true game to forget. 173 combined points in this one. Clippers shot 41%. Celtics 35% shooting. Yikes. Eric Bledsoe, another good ball game. Reggie Jackson, by the way, cleared protocols. He might be back for the next one, and if he is, I don't know that Bledsoe needs to be started at that point. It probably shifts Bledsoe up to shooting guard. It probably shifts Kennard to the bench as sort of a bench gunner. And then if Bledsoe's not the lead orchestrator and his assists go away, it's a big question mark as to whether or not he stays sort of above water with the Clippers getting healthy besides Paul George. You can kind of hang on a little bit longer. There's a possibility he might just barely hang around the top 100 mark. But the recent you know, top 60, top 70 type of play we've been getting out of him, that's about to go away. There's no question in my mind. Marcus Morris, he's going to get all the usage he can handle here in the near term, likely, again, uh, heavily because of Paul George's absence. 23-10 and 10 here. He's an add in 9-cat. You can go ahead and keep streaming that. And then Ivica Zubats, one point, 14 rebounds. Boston Center's did a really nice job on Zubats. I'm still just sitting over here rubbing my hands together, waiting on any kind of positive news for Isaiah Hartenstein because he really was coming on before that twisted ankle, and I got to think he could come on again. I don't know, man. Zubats isn't impressing me all that much with his actual real-life play. Fantasy-wise, he's been, a, he's been fine, and you got to start him if he's getting 30 minutes. No question about that. But, boy, it really feels like Hartenstein could jump over him when the opportunity presents itself, and it might. On the Boston side, no Marcus Smart again, no Jason Tatum again. Josh Richardson came back, played 32 minutes off the bench. He was super rusty, but did at least have three steals and a block. Horford had a... Supreme all-around line, despite missing a bunch of his shots. Time Lord was very good. Jalen Brown had 30 points on 36 shots. Celtics, by the way, went four for uh, 42 from three-point land in this ball game. And the one that really hurt was Peyton Pritchard because he was amazing in his stream a couple days ago, and he was a complete disaster in this one. I cannot believe it. 34 minutes, he had plenty of opportunity. Just couldn't capitalize on it. I'm guessing Marcus Smart is probably back for Boston's next ballgame. You can most likely move on from Pritchard. This was a one, and then we ended up getting two-game stream, and it just didn't work out. Happens sometimes. Not much you can do about it other than kind of, you know, lick your wounds and get back at it. You look for these guys with massive, massive opportunity, especially at the point guard spot. I don't think we can fault ourselves for where we went on that one. The methodology was good. How about old man LeBron James? Holy moly. I'll say this. I've been watching... uh, I'm watching Laker games pretty closely of late. And I think I mentioned it on the show yesterday. Yeah, it was yesterday. Because Lakers played a back-to-back. How this group... And I... Honestly, getting Avery Bradley back was uh, an oddly large piece of the puzzle. Getting Malik Monk back was another one. They've been a lot better. Lakers did use Dwight Howard for 16 minutes in this game because Steven Adams is just such a big dude on that Memphis side, and they could not ask LeBron James to play center and rebound against Adams. That would have been, frankly, just kind of mean. Uh, But the LeBron James, Russell Westbrook, Malik Monk trio in the starting unit has been a really good fit. 
Avery Bradley and Stanley Johnson have been kind of a nice fit alongside them. Trevor Ariza, weirdly enough, is going to be a key component here because Carmelo played 30 minutes and was just ice cold in this ballgame. And it's that kind of moment where if Melo could play defense, then a game like this, you're like, well, okay, you know, there's something on both ends. If his offense isn't clicking, Melo becomes a pretty big liability. Same story for Taylor Horton Tucker. If his offense isn't clicking, he's a pretty big liability right now because he can't space the floor at all. And that's why you're seeing Stanley Johnson get so many minutes. Lakers played a pretty good ball game. They ran out of gas in the fourth quarter, had a 13-point lead near the end of the third, and John Morant just went crazy, which you knew he was going to do against LeBron. There was just no question about it. Desmond Bain, he's rolling here with Melton Brooks out. I mean, he was rolling anyway, but he gets a little bonus boost. Uh, and that's probably about as far as you go. You know, slow-mo into the starting lineup with Conchar out, but he's not really doing enough right now, so it's pretty much those three guys. On the Lakers' side, I mentioned on yesterday's show, I actually do think Carmelo Anthony is a pretty good stream until Ariza comes back. Generally, he'll be better than this. He just looked kind of tired. And then LeBron, Westbrook, and Malik Monk. Monk, I think, might actually have value until Anthony Davis comes back because he's most likely the starting small forward or shooting guard on this team. Almost, I mean, Kendrick Nunn is the one guy I think we could talk about as maybe taking that job away from him. But Monk has been a really good fit. He can slash, he can shoot, and he's like probably about average, maybe slightly sub-average defensively, which is generally good enough when you compare that to some of the other guys that the Lakers have tried to fit into that lineup. But a little bit of spacing has gone a long way towards helping L.A. with some of their issues. One of the other things you notice in this ballgame, and I'm sure the Lakers will send a memo to uh, the league office, they got called for 25 fouls. The Grizzlies got called for 11 in this game, which seems a little bit suspect when you consider how often Russ and LeBron generally go to the rim. Not to say that, like, it was all wrong, but a 21 free throw edge is a little goofy. And there were a bunch of spots in the game where guys like LeBron get hit and he's just so damn strong, you don't even see it. I'll say this. It was a fun ball game. And for the Lakers, this is really, this is big progress, which seems sad to say. But the fact that they basically played even with a pretty good Grizz team when Ja was having a monster career night, it's pretty good. Talked about it before. That's a team that just needs a ton of time and they're not getting it because Anthony Davis is out for a while yet hey folks we've been telling you a lot about Thrive Fantasy and my bookie but we do want to remind you of our continuing partnership with the great folks at manscaped.com the lawnmower 4.0 pinch free technology with a built in LED light and waterproof pretty sweet man head on over there to manscaped.com you can get 20 percent off your order and free shipping using either of our two promo codes either hoopball20 or ethos20 they both work according to my buddy dominic over there they also have the older lawnmower the 3.0 edition which by the way i'll say this i've used them both they've been kind enough to send me demo versions of everything that they've uh, asked us to promote here on the show and i believe the 3.0 is actually not as close of a shave, but pinches zero times. The 4.0 actually is a tighter shave, but does pinch like once in a blue moon. So depending on what you're looking for, you could actually get either of the two lawnmowers. 
And then the one thing that I've really enjoyed is the three-blade razor. I told you guys about that one a couple shows back. It's been amazing. I use it to kind of touch up the corners of my beard. I get some straggler hairs on my cheeks that I like to take out with that thing. No pinching at all with that bad boy, which is really nice because I have terrible personal hygiene during a pandemic, especially during a surge like this. And uh, I let things get too long. All you men out there, women too, actually. Uh, if you let a hair get too long and then you try to save it, shave it with an actual razor, it's going to yank on the hair instead of cutting it. And that's what's really cool about that three blade is it doesn't do that. It really it continues to just chop that sucker right off and you basically don't feel it. They got the Shears 2.0, brand new luxury nail kit, replacement blades, deodorants, gels, shaving creams, shampoo, conditioner, body wash, Boxers, t-shirts, travel bags, shaving mats, so your hairs end up not on your carpet or wherever the hell you... Don't shave over a carpet. Don't do that to yourself. Anyway, go to manscaped.com. Check them out. They've been amazing for us. Wonderful, wonderful partner. Um, I think if you get the performance package, they're including free boxers, a toiletry bag, and free shipping built in, but you can get that extra 20% off with Hoopball20 or Ethos20. Chicago beat Atlanta again, and, you know, sort of not a fair fight right now. Bulls are down Lonzo Ball, but they've got the rest of their big guns back, and that's all they needed for this ballgame. Kobe White was actually pretty good here. Kind of surprised he piled up 12 assists in this ballgame. It's going to be one of those situations where if you catch him on the right night, it might work out for you. I don't have the stones to try. I do wonder if Alex Caruso is getting it all close to a return. Vooch has woken up. Ladies and germs, DeMar DeRozan's been awake all year. Zach Levine's been pretty good all damn season. Nothing really changes for me on that Chicago side. I am not a buyer on Kobe White, even in the Lonzo Ball protocol short term here. I guess you could throw him into a scheduling stream spot, but I don't think I'm using a games cap on it. For Atlanta, uh, Cam Reddish finally cooled off a little bit, although he did have two steals and a block, so it wasn't all uh, a complete disaster. You can keep trotting him out there. Until guys like Bogdan come back, there's just there's a, a distinct lack of other scoring options on this team. And but for Chandi Brown taking 12 shots, you might have even had more out of Reddish, Trey Young, Clint Capella, the other guys you can safely use on the Hawks side. And I think that's about as far as I would take it. Other than to point out that Lance Stevenson is is uh, still playing, and that's just that's amazing. Phoenix, as per usual, waited until late and then ended up blowing out Oklahoma City. Game was actually closer than the final score might indicate. Devin Booker had a big one. He's been heating up lately. Chris Paul has actually kind of slid back a tad while Booker's been this hot. They haven't needed him as much. And, and you could make that same argument for a lot of Suns. Cam Johnson, who's been a great stream, he didn't need to do as much. JaVale McGee got going finally, although a lot of it was unfortunately at a bad free throw line in high volume. Mikael Bridges didn't need to do very much. Campaign had a pretty good game off the bench. Phoenix is just a, a machine. And they've been, you know, other than, like, here they've got Aiden and Crowder in protocols, which you think would cut them down a peg. And I suppose it did, but, you know, go up and get OKC with Shea getting the night off. Late scratch. Ankle was just a little sore. They got tired of competing, is the way I read that. We mentioned after their last ball game. That Shea, Dort, and maybe a big man here with everybody out would be potentially worth starting. It's turning out that the big man thing is not really worth pursuing. And then when Shea goes out, it really changes the complexion because all of his primary usage 
gets distributed among the other guys. So Ty Jerome ended up having a really big ball game, filling in at point guard. That could just as easily be Maladone coming off the bench, so you're probably not messing with that. And frankly, Shea might be back for the next ballgame anyway. And then Aaron Wiggins, who we saw fantasy-wise, there really wasn't enough in the limited sample to say this guy's going to do a ton besides scoring. If Shea's out, there's enough scoring for that to be enough. And if Dort didn't miss every damn shot he took, then this probably would have been a decent game for him too. But oh well. I mean, the Thunder are trying to lose. And this was a massive fear right from the outset. They're uh, okay. I mean, they're okay. With Shea not out there, they are. They're a tough watch. They're a tough watch. It was nice to see Ty Jerome, Aaron Wiggins have some, uh, some pretty good numbers. Wiggins looks like he may end up being a little bit of a steal. But we've thought that about young guys on really bad teams before. And you just kind of have to see how it all plays out. Anything can happen over the next couple of years. We just don't know today. Hey, for the last time in the 2021 calendar year, I'm going to ask you guys to please take a moment to rate and review the podcast. I don't. I think I do that like once every two weeks right now after really hammering you on it uh, during the, the run-up to the season because I know that's when a lot of new folks are joining in. That's when it's an opportunity to kind of grow the podcast base. I think we've had a new review in about four weeks on this show. So please, if there's someone out there that hasn't, popped in and dropped a five-star on this show, please do it now. Really, really would appreciate it. It's, uh, I think it's actually available on Spotify now if you're a subscriber over there, and I know it's available on Apple and iTunes stuff. You can go on iTunes, you can go into podcast app on your mobile device. Either way, you want to search in podcasts for Fantasy NBA Today. Click on the show title. Do not go to an episode. If you click on the show title on your phone, scroll all the way to the bottom of that next screen. That's where you can drop the five-star review. If you're on your computer, there's actually a ratings and review tab. You can do it over there. So that's my last pleading. It's my pleading final request here of uh, the, the 2021 year. Because, again, tomorrow's show, I think we'll do a couple of ads. But, you know, not going to plead with you with anything. Goodness. Early recording of the Friday podcast. So... um please do. I mean, that's it. That's as far as that goes. Thank you to everybody that has done it. If you have an opportunity to do another one, you can grab somebody's phone, I guess, but, uh, or just please do it on your own. Thank you in advance. You're contemplating that. Late games were uh, pretty distinct from the other ones. There was kind of a, a big early chunk on Wednesday, and then two that were way the hell after everything else. So all the other players in the NBA were camped out and just watching the uh, Utah-Portland game, and then Sacramento-Dallas was really a late one, which feels weird because I know I'm on the West Coast, but I get so used to when you got all these Eastern time and Central time games that are all done, those games were all over before Sacramento's game even started. But in any event, we can dive into those last two. Portland, blown out again. But we did get some good fantasy stuff, namely the true hero. Larry Nance Jr. Bounced back brilliantly here with 14, 9, and 9. Three steals and a three-pointer. There are a few things I enjoy more than a delicious Larry Nance fantasy line. Over on the Utah side, Donovan Mitchell missed his second ballgame on this little mini road trip. I think there's an expectation he might be back for Utah's next ballgame. We'll see. They're playing fine without him. Jordan Clarkson is the guy that gets the big bump. We mentioned Joe Ingles scored a bunch in the previous game, but he really does need Mike Conley to be out. 
to be that anchor, that orchestrator. He's two bodies away, and Clarkson is really the guy who's just one. And the last game of the night, Sacramento, game winner from Chimezi Metu. Hit a three-pointer in the corner to beat the Mavericks. Kristaps Porzingis, Jalen Brunson, Dorian Finney-Smith are startable on the Dallas side. With Luka Doncic still on the shelf for Sacramento, things have changed a little bit. Alvin Gentry kind of mixing and matching. Marvin Bagley saw some extra time in this ballgame. Rashawn Holmes beginning to ramp back up a little bit. He still wasn't quite there. Only took five shots in the ballgame, but the minutes at 26 are trending in the right direction. Halliburton, he's solid. Darren Fox has been a, a mess all season long to this point, but he you kind of if you drafted him, you kind of have to start him. I don't know what else you do. Luckily, uh, on this podcast, we steered you guys into no Fox pretty much anywhere. I hope you guys were listening. And then Harrison Barnes has kind of settled back into that top 90 type player. We always sort of knew he was going to be, and now he's there. The Bagley thing is interesting, though. Um... You know, Buddy healed 23 minutes off the bench. Terrence Davis didn't play in this ballgame. Are they showcasing Bagley? Is this something that they want to stick with for longer than uh, a game or two? It's, uh, it, it, it's hard for me to say it's something because we've seen enough of Bagley to know that from a fantasy standpoint, he's just not very good. His game is sort of muddied. He can't, He doesn't hit free throws well. He can score a little bit. He can rebound a little bit. Defensive stats are not really there. He makes a lot more sense in a points league than anything else, but he is starting to see some more minutes. And so if you could use the kind of empty double-double with bad percentages, maybe, I would really look more at a points league type of format. Not quite a punt free throw guy. Usually he's around 70%. And he'll get you some points and some boards. So there's a world for that. But just overall fantasy-wise, he doesn't he doesn't tickle me the way that others might. And I know in this ballgame, 11-7 with two steals and a three-pointer on good percentages, that's great and all. But he's just not a 50% shooter from the field. He's not a positive free throw shooter. So that's just not a guy you really want to rely on, especially not in 9-cat Roto. But it is interesting. It is interesting that they're they're leaning into it a little bit. Davian Mitchell, by the way, came back for Sacramento. He had 14 points in 19 minutes. You can keep an eye on that in deeper leagues, but not a whole lot else. And then Damian Jones does seem like he's kind of settled into this backup center role. I don't know what happens when Alex Len gets his legs back underneath him. I think the Kings, Kings might be better with Jones. In any event. All right, and that pretty much, I think between the last two days, that pretty much covers the NBA in terms of what every team looks like right now. And your job, sorry, I have to put a little bit on you guys, is to keep really close watch on who's in and who's out. The Fantasy Labs feed and Ethos Fantasy BK, to me, are the things that'll get you there. Follow those two feeds on Twitter. Follow me, if you would, please, on Twitter as well. But this is where it's going to happen. While this back and forth is occurring in protocols. Every day, big things are switching. So we got to make sure we stay on top of it. Don't use up a games cap on someone who's going to give you a stinker. Try to find fill-in guys that are going to give you top 75 lines or better in your Roto League. And then in head-to-head, 
Look to see who's got good schedules because there are teams that are off two, three days in a row. Even if they have players on those teams that are in good shape schedule or uh, opportunity-wise, it might not be helpful for you. You might just want to take a stinker who's playing three times over a guy who's going to play once. is much better. These are the little things you need to look into. I also think that pretty soon you're not going to have to use every head-to-head move replacing someone going into protocol. So keep that in the back of your mind for next week or maybe the week after that as you start to then maybe by midweek, by say by Wednesday, if you only have one guy that you have to replace for protocols or an injury, you can start using some moves on Thursday to stream. Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, maybe you can get three games in those four days. Maybe you do it on Wednesday, get three games over the last five days of the week. Opportunities now to start pushing your games played up in a more traditional fashion as opposed to what we've had to do lately. Enjoy your Thursday, everybody. I'll catch up with you guys on social. Friday, again, special Friday show coming, uh, dropping early. Might even drop late Thursday, if I'm not mistaken, where we're going to be breaking down five key players and getting you set for 2022. We almost made it, guys. We almost made it. I am Dan Bespers for Fantasy NBA Today. Sports Ethos presentation. Enjoy your Thursday. We'll talk to you guys one more time this year. So long. <laughs>